The Bible is frequently attacked on its chronology of the age of the earth. But what about radiometric dating? Has it proven a universe that is billions of years old? Find out on Wonders Without Number. Michael Houts has a PhD in nuclear engineering from MIT and serves as the nuclear research manager for NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. He's received exceptional service medals and engineering achievement medals from NASA, and he worked for 11 years at Los Alamos National Laboratory. He's also an auxiliary staff science writer for Apologetics Press. So if you would, please join with me as we welcome Dr. Michael Houts. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks. And I love getting your insight on some of these topics. Uh, we've actually, on previous episodes, looked at carbon-14, C-14 dating methods right. and how all of that works. But then there are many other different types of dating methods that supposedly are giving billions of years. Yeah. Now, that's all part of scientific study, right? But you wrote a, an article in Reason and Revelation for Apologetics Press called True Science is the Christian's Friend. Right. What do you mean true science is well, a Christian's friend? Well, because when we, uh, as the more science advances and the more we get into detailed science, the more it confirms the Bible. It's completely consistent with the Bible. A lot of times, uh, People will try to spin science or, or put assumptions on true science to somehow imply that it's in conflict with the Bible, but okay. it's, it's not. Uh, and we've seen that everything from, uh, yeah, of course, 500 years ago, people used to think life just made itself. Right. You know, now we know that's ridiculous. You, you know, that life exactly. is way too complicated to have made itself. But again, it's, it was because science advanced. Uh, we used to think uh, maybe information was being added to the genome. From true science, we know, no, it's, it's actually being lost from the genome. Uh -huh. And so, again, as science advances in any area, uh, it again uh, um, confirms the Bible. So okay. it's, it's fully consistent with the Bible. That's amazing. Okay. And it's true in this area as well. Absolutely. All right, we'll jump right in and let's see where it takes us. Okay, so I want to start out with uh, one, one of the things you'll notice is that you know, atheists very rarely attack Christians on certain issues. Uh, okay. we, you know, we mentioned the life from non-life. We very rarely yeah. Yeah, hear an atheist say, well, uh, boy, you silly Christians, you don't believe that life just made itself because, <laughs> because, because they know where that'll lead. You know, exactly. You'll say, well, okay, if life could just make itself, let's go into the lab and make some right now. Uh -huh. And of course they can't. And so, so they don't want to focus on that. They don't want to, in general, focus on any area where true science can be applied. And so, but when you get into things like radiometric dating, if some person wants to attack the Bible, uh, it's entirely dependent on the assumptions that are made given certain measurements. And so it's much easier to attack. It's, it's a little bit analogous to fossils too. If I find a, a bone chip, yeah. I can pretend that bone chip is anything I want to. I mean, in okay. reality, I mean, people will, sure. you know, don't, don't mean to be demeaning to anybody, but in reality, mm -hmm. you know, most fossils have a few fragments of bones and, and there's a wide open how those are interpreted. Again, yeah. far removed from true science. Uh, if I look at trying to change a scale into a feather mm -hmm. from a genetic and a biochemistry standpoint, I realize there's no way that can happen. You know, yes. and, and so again, you know, related to, to fossils, but again, uh, an area where again, the idea is to re stay removed from true science. That's what we see a lot in radiometric dating. And so uh, that is an area where Christians will be attacked. And so I think uh, start out realizing that if we read First uh, Peter 3, 14 through 15, mm -hmm. but even if you should suffer for righteousness, 
righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And okay. so what it says, we, you know, we need to be ready to, to make a defense. And this is an area where it's, again, straightforward to make a defense, but we need to be prepared for making that defense. We do. And to understand that, we have to understand the assumptions involved. We're not disputing the data. There right. are facts and there are data. You can, NASA could send a space probe to a different planet and collect all types of data. You could analyze a rock or a fossil and get all sorts right. of data, but there is an interpretation of the right. data. It's how that, that data, how, what assumptions are applied, how that is spun. Okay. But you're right, no dispute over the data uh, in general. I mean, sometimes yeah. you do get yeah. erroneous data also, sure. but just in, you know, in general, that's not where the dispute is. It's what assumptions are applied okay. uh, to the data. Uh, now, one thing to also point out is, um, you know, evolution doesn't work no matter how old the universe is. Okay. And, so, and so the real, the motivation here is, is really just, again, having a person realize that the Bible is God's inerrant word and being willing to seriously consider the Bible. Yes. And so, so that's where the importance lies. Uh, okay. it's a, because I, you know, we can show evolution, again, does not work no matter, no matter, no matter how, how much how time you give it. I'll, yeah. I'll use an example of Fred Hoyle. Uh, he calculated the odds of just the proteins in an amoeba spontaneously arising at one and one followed by 40,000 zeros. <laughs> Okay, now, now Fred Hoyle, wow. of course, he named the Big Bang. He's yeah. a very famous British astronomer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so he was a very, very, uh, yeah, if I guess you say famous, influential British astronomer. Uh -huh. So he's a, uh, and so, you know, he calculated that, and so that led to a lot of his quotes, you know, basically making fun of, uh, uh, of, of evolution. Well, yes. yeah, f say we assume, though, the uh, uh, prevailing 13.8 uh, billion year old uh, you know, theory mm -hmm. idea, well, what if we change that a little bit using his odds? Well, uh, suppose instead of, 13.8 billion years for the proteins arise. Suppose there was one second. Okay, so okay. now it was one second. So now the odds uh, went from completely impossible, in mm -hmm. other words, one and one followed by 40,000 yeah. zeros, to completely impossible. Uh, now you're down to one and one followed by 40,017 zeros. Really? Uh, suppose you only had, say, say though you had a billion billion years uh -huh. for the proteins to arise. Okay. Well, now your odds went from completely impossible uh, to completely impossible. Uh, in other words, you went from, instead of one and one followed by 40,000 zeros, it would be one and one followed by 39,992 zeros. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter how much time you impossible. give it, it's it still impossible. Yeah. Exactly. If it was one second, if it was a billion, billion years. And so, and that's just one example. You know, that's the first time example. I've ever heard it put exactly that yeah. way. It, it, give it one second, you give it and a multitude yeah, of times, how, how more time than they say that it took, and right. the odds are still just as bad. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Completely impossible either way. And so, so you start thinking, you know, Fred Hoyle calculated this. He rejected uh, the whole idea of evolution mm -hmm. and the primordial soup. Uh, have the quote from Fred okay, Hoyle. Yeah. Um, says, the likelihood of the formation of life from inanimate matter is one to a number with 40,000 knots after it. It was okay. enough to bury Darwin and the whole theory of evolution. There was no primeval soup, neither on this planet nor on any other. And if the beginnings of life were not random, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful intelligence. Mm. And so, well, you know, if you, well, that, that's not your typical sidewalk conversation. But, you right. know, suppose someone said that to you, boy, you'd immediately be like, well, hey, let's, uh, you know, can you come over tonight for a Bible study? Uh -huh. you, you know, invite them to church. Yeah, you think, boy, this person, you know, is, is you know, they've, 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 it's, yeah. it's clicked. You know, they finally oh, yeah. figured it out. Well, uh, unfortunately, with Fred Hoyle is he knew evolution couldn't work. Okay. Uh, he, but he, for whatever reason, he didn't want to put his faith in God. And mm. so he developed this whole theory, he called it directed panspermia, mm -hmm. wrote three books on it. And the whole idea was that since evolution doesn't work, I don't want to believe in God. He said, well, 
aliens must have put us here. Wow. And and it's you know sounds technical, directed yeah. panspermia, but his whole idea was that well maybe you, you know you know how could I possibly explain yeah. this? And so uh, the point being that's why it is so important that we work towards getting a person a Bible study because just because they conclude that evolution doesn't work, you don't know what direction they're going to go. Exactly. Uh, and you know Fred Hoyle again, really smart individual, uh, but he had to ask the question. Well, okay, if uh -huh. aliens put us here on Earth. Yeah, where the aliens where come the from? Aliens exactly. Come. Well, they must have either evolved or been created or by other aliens. By yeah. other aliens. And so you keep tracking that problem back. But it's perfectly, when we read the Bible, it's clear that there was a creator, God, outside of time, space, exactly. and matter, yep. Yep. who created time, space, and matter, and then put it all together, creating life. Right. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message, and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. Yeah, why do evolutionists, atheists want the universe to be extremely old? It doesn't do their theory any good. Right. Uh, but it really, I think, the number one is because the old age contradicts the Bible. It's true. And if they can make that stick, they can make you know, people... Uh, doubt. Yeah, somehow question. doubt the Bible. If you look at how most atheists debate, it's almost they always try to immediately focus in on, on age. Um, old age is also, uh, uh, it has a certain mystique, you know, and if anybody likes watching yes, Star Wars, uh, yep. you, you, know, you know, when it talks about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm -hmm. I love that beginning because it tells you, okay, just kind of turn the, turn the logic side of your brain off and just right. enjoy the movie. You know, right. you know don't, don't sit there analyzing, well, how did they do that? <laughs> or, that doesn't work. You know, just uh -huh. enjoy the movie because it, it adds a certain mystique. And so I think that can be another reason because even though we know, for example, life can't just make itself mm -hmm. today, you know, maybe billions of years ago, who knows? And, yeah, so and of course, again, it's, sort an, of appeal it's an appeal to supernatural uh -huh. but it, again it, it, it enables that and then also I think uh, for a lot of people it's just what they've always heard uh, if you go into say like Natural History Museum it's almost yeah. like their whole point isn't to present facts it's to try to just drill in long ages you, right. you know and uh, and so again it's just what people since they're two years old have remembered so they almost just accept it and so there are a lot of people that will be open-minded on this particular subject and okay. so that's that is encouraging um, but we do have to remember to we, give the Creator, the God of the Bible, the glory exactly. and point back yeah. to Him, or else you can right. end up coming up with a lot of other wild theories. Exactly, to because it is a, it is a, one way to think about it is a kind of a, it can be used as a gateway drug. Uh, okay. Would be an analogy to lead yeah. people away from the Bible because hmm. think about it, if a person. Uh, can either be caused to doubt the Bible uh, because of age, or uh, they decide they're not even going to seriously consider the Bible because of age. Then that's, uh, you know, the, I guess you'd say the, yep. the atheist 
has, has won in that particular case. And That's it's amazing, uh, uh, by doubting the Bible, uh, even having a person think, well, okay, somehow I have to twist scripture, I have to say that maybe our accepted translations aren't right, or maybe there's some words that are translated wrong, mm -hmm. or you hit all kinds of, uh, you know, at that point, again, that, that person is going down a very dangerous path, yes. because it doesn't take long once we start rejecting certain parts of scripture to reject the entire Bible. What else are you going to, yeah. Exactly, and so that's very, uh, so it is extremely uh, important topic. Okay. And so, uh, uh, and then just the other point again is uh, I think we all have friends and acquaintances that, mm -hmm. boy, they're just hung up on this. This is why they won't come to church with me. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the back of our minds, we might be thinking, if I just compromised on this one issue, and pick your issue, yeah. you know, I mean, there's many out there, yeah. maybe I could get them to go to church. And we can almost start thinking that it's good to compromise in uh -huh. a certain area. And it, you know, age is certainly one area that uh, people compromise on, but there's, there's dozens of them. Absolutely. And I think we just need to remember Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's exactly and so it might right. seem right to me, but it's not, it's not right. But so. we can't play God and decide for ourselves what we want to try to stick in and fit in right, when right. it's clearly extra biblical. Exactly. So we have to be careful. Yeah, exactly, very much. So uh, uh, now there's also uh, on this issue, if someone is, is stuck again on the age of the earth, I think it's really important to point out that most dating methods actually yield a, an earth that's a few thousand years old. This was a, uh, okay. a top 10 list that was put together by Answers in Genesis. So just read it uh, very quickly. Uh -huh. uh, but it talks about very little sediment on the seafloor, again, mm -hmm. consistent with an earth that's a few thousand years old. Bent rock layers, showing yeah. that those rock layers had to form rapidly. They couldn't have been laid down over millions of years. Uh, soft tissue and fossils. Yes. Those fossils have, can't be more than a few thousand years old. Uh, the faint sun paradox, a rapidly decaying magnetic field. Mm -hmm. uh, helium and radioactive rocks, carbon-14 and fossils. Fossils, coal and diamonds, short-lived comets, very little salt in the sea, uh, DNA and ancient bacteria. So they came up with, that was their top 10, but there's again dozens of points. So one point when talking on this subject to bring out to people is that, you know, most of the dating methods we can use are very consistent with the Bible just inherently. You know, they show that the and earth can't be more than a few thousand years old. Dr. Russell Humphreys has compiled almost uh, over 80 different common dating methods and there's only a very small fraction, including radiometric dating, that seems to be pointing away from a young right. age for the Earth. Right. But seems is the operative word. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, we did talk a little bit uh, about the uh, carbon-14 and coal and diamonds. Yes. There have been some very, I guess I'd say, valiant attempts to try to explain that away. It, it, it can't be. Uh, one of my favorite ones, it's, it's actually out on the website, is that you know, the in-situ production of the carbon-14 doesn't, uh, it falls short on many accounts, uh, but it also uh, would require at present decay rates, it would require basically, that, you know, for that not to be a coal deposit, it really had to be a uranium deposit. The uranium oh, concentration yeah. have to be so high. Instead of, say, one uranium atom for every 100,000 carbon atoms, it'd be you know, on the order of one in every two. Wow. So it'd be a fantastic uranium. And even then, yeah. though, uh, there's reasons you, you could tell that that carbon-14 wasn't being produced in situ. The only reason okay. I point that out was it's ironic is the only way out of part of their problem is to have greatly accelerated radioactive decay rates, uh, uh -huh. which they typically don't like to entertain. Uh -huh. And so uh, there has been evidence, and this is again talking about radiometric dating, uh, for these accelerated decay rates. Okay. And so not saying that that was carbon-14 being in situ produced in coal, uh -huh. but just the evidence for the accelerated radioactive decay rate is probably uh, best explained when we see helium in zircons. And okay. so I think we've all had helium balloons when yeah. we were growing up. And, uh, I understand so that what, what, So what happens, uh, what happens with, uh, you know, helium balloon floats up to the ceiling. Well, what happens after a few days? Yes. 
Well, well, well the helium diffuses helium out. Diffuses and it's it, going to come it, down. It comes down. That's because the helium is actually diffusing through the membrane in the balloon. I used to think that okay. it, it almost leak out through that end there. So I'd, right, I'd right. tie like 12 knots in the end and, and it'd still leak out. <laughs> it's well, still Because that's not where the leak was. It's actually diffusing through the oh, membrane. Okay. Well, well, the same thing happens in rocks uh, when helium, or, or I guess you'd say crystals, when uh, helium is produced inside that crystal, it'll diffuse out at a certain rate. And okay. so uh, with a zircon, uh, zircons you'll hear quoted a lot. They're talked about a lot in radiometric dating. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what you'll have is you'll assume that maybe the crystal formed, and it was pretty much pure uranium when it was formed. It was an assumption, yeah. but we'll, we'll grant that. Okay. You know, say it's this assumption. Okay. And then over a long period of time, that uranium decayed to lead. Now, if I assume the half-life was constant, and I assumed it was pure uranium to start with, and I looked at how much lead uh, was formed, then I can, you know, just through equations, I can estimate how old that zircon is. And many times people say, well, this zircon's it's like a billion years old. Right. So that's one way of dating it. But uh, what's exciting is that when uranium decays into lead, when uranium-238 decays to lead-206, uh, what you release, it's, uh, they call them alpha particles. So you get eight okay. alpha particles, but effectively they're just helium nuclei that are released uh, during this decay process. And so you're also injecting helium into uh, that zircon. Now, really? what's exciting about that is I can also, I can measure the rate that, that helium would diffuse out of the zircon. And so what okay. I end up with is I know a lot of uranium has turned into lead, but I also know that, uh, that most of the helium is still present. Hmm. And so what that implies is that decay had to occur very rapidly. In other words, oh, the uranium yeah. had to decay to the lead uh, in the relatively recent path. Now this past, now this was a, uh, uh, a study published by uh, uh, Don DeYoung and he, what he did was he looked at a creation-based model. So okay. where the creation-based model, uh, where you're looking at the, uh, the actual uh, uh, data, which is the, the kind of the black dots and the okay. theory, which are the squares. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, if, if I assume there was accelerated radioactive decay during creation week or the flood, mm -hmm. uh, and then I compare that to the, you know, that, that's the line I would get. Mm -hmm. Well, if I look at the data that came back from the lab, and to his credit, he published this before the data had come back, which okay. is really gutsy. You've, uh, yep. I've heard your show mention the predictive uh, capabilities. Absolutely. So by him predicting, it's very gutsy that he did mm -hmm. that. Uh, well, the creation model hit the data dead on. Wow. Uh, the uniformitarian model is off by about a factor of 100,000. Okay. So in other words, just based on these ratios, yeah. I know that the a lot of decay happened, I see if I assume mm -hmm. all that uranium turned lead, but it had to happen recently because of the uh, uranium presence. So again, that's and because that's of the consistent. helium present. So it's very biblically consistent, it's very yeah. hard to explain. So, okay. that's, so that's one powerful piece of evidence. And again, the idea is get a person to, to question kind of where they're putting their, their faith. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll get some pushback. One is, well, if all that decay happened very quickly, wouldn't the energy melt the earth? Uh, well, uh. Uh, to me, I call that one-dimensional thinking because I have no idea why, how the decay rates were changed during creation week or the flood. Mm -hmm. But if that decay rate changed, it's also going to change the amount of energy released per decay. Okay. And so it's actually a clue because I know the earth didn't get right. melted by that decay. Uh -huh. And so that actually gives me a clue for how that decay rate was changed. And so again, it all depends on the assumptions that are made, the uh, uh, perspective that a, a person is, is bringing to the uh, um, yeah, to that particular issue. Okay. Uh, there've also there are uh, cases where we've been able to study or, or been able to uh, change decay rates. This was a uh, study using ultrasonic cavitation. And again, you can go out to the hmm. very the secular literature. This was actually published in the CERN Courier, wow. a very uh, respected uh, journal of high energy physics. Mm -hmm. uh, also mentioned in the physical review letters. So it's a um, uh, so again uh, talking about just ways that we change radioactive decay. Okay. It's also uh, uh, people are seeing decay rates. 
uh, changing real time in isotopes. This was a uh -huh. studies published by uh, Stanford and Purdue okay. showing that they see statistically significant fluctuations in the decay of their medical isotopes. So this really? idea of changing radioactive decay rates, if I, if I can change them on purpose today using, you know, it's pretty extreme conditions usually, yeah. but I can still change them, or I'm seeing fluctuations mm -hmm. uh, when things are pretty stable, because let's face it, physically things are pretty right. stable right now, right. Uh, then what could have been happening during creation week or the flood? And Absolutely. so again, it's a, an area that should be pursued and hopefully will be pursued because it could really uh, improve our understanding of, of physics in general. A lot of times we'll see there's four uh, different ways that these very long ages can be obtained using radiometric dating. Okay. In other words, that people tend to use. Usually with a rocky, you, best you can have one of them. Yeah. You know, every now and then you'll have you know, <laughs> two. Uh, in this case, there's some rocks at the bottom of the Grand Canyon uh, uh -huh. where you have uh, three different methods. And this was a uh, research published by uh, Dr. Andrew Snelling. Okay. Uh, and you'll notice you have, uh, uh, this is a uranium lead chain. Yeah. Uh, you have a samarium neodymium and you have rubidium strontium. Mm. And so you look at this is a billion years, 1.2 billion years, 1.4 billion years. Wow. And so if you, someone just looked at that, they would say, well, okay, I've got three independent methods mm -hmm. of, of measuring these dates. And they're all over a billion years. They're actually all over 1.2 billion years. So okay. it's got to be at least 1.2 billion years old. Uh -huh. But that's the wrong way to look at the data. <laughs> okay. Because what we really need to look at is these error bars. You notice the error bars don't overlap. Oh, that's true. And so the point is, all that graph is actually showing me is that two of those three um, data points have to be wrong. Uh, wow. I'll, I'll look at our remote again. Say, okay. say I took this remote and I said, uh, send it off to one lab and it says, well, that remote, it's uh, 200 feet long, plus or minus two feet. Okay. And another lab says, no, it's 300 feet long, plus or minus three feet. And another lab says, well, it's 400 feet long, plus or minus four feet. Well. I could either say, well, that remote's got to be at least 200 feet long. Right. But that's wrong. But it's wrong because... Because, because I know, all I know for sure is two of those three measurements have to be wrong. At least two out of the three. Yeah, at least two out of three. And if, they if don't the overlap. same general techniques are being used, uh, it's more likely that three of the three are wrong. In wow. other words, because I'm t making the same general assumptions. And so this is also... Uh, you know, very exciting data because you can start seeing trends yes. uh, based on atomic mass, based on whether it's an alpha emitter or a beta emitter, uh, all kinds of, of different factors that come into play. Bottom line is um, radiometric dating, it's, it's highly dependent on assumptions. Okay. And so, uh, and there's data, uh, just like we saw the carbon-14 in coal and diamonds showing that uh, uh, carbon dating uh, doesn't, you know, you know can't yeah. be right. That, you know, that, that uh, uh, we also see things like helium in zircons. We see discordances in dating methods. So we have evidence that our assumptions are wrong. Uh, but the main point, again, is you know, true science is the Christian's friend. It is. As science advances, it will confirm the Bible. And the whole goal of any of these discussions is uh, maybe, maybe one way to think about it is uh, create uh, enough uh, interest with the person. They yeah. say, well, yeah, there is something wrong with carbon dating, or there is something wrong with radiometric dating, or at least there's enough uncertainty that I need to study the Bible. And again, get, get them into God's Word. Quick uh, questions, discussion points that can bring them into a further study of just how accurate and reliable God's Word is. Correct. Thank you so much Great. for thank, being thank here. Thank you. Yes, sir. We have learned that dating methods are strongly dependent upon assumptions. Assumptions based on decay rates that may seem to make sense but they may not have remained the same throughout history, especially during Creation Week and the Flood. But it's important to remember that the vast majority of dating methods yield biblically consistent dates, and true science is the Christian's friend. It's fully consistent with the Bible. There's no need for man's compromise. The Word of God is clear in every way. What's also clear is that we've all sinned. The wages of sin is death, 
but through the shed blood of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven and have eternal life with Him. Now we hope that you've been encouraged and educated today, and we want to give you the tools that you need to boldly go forward and share what you've learned. Leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until next time, I want you to keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN. Each week we talk to some of the world's leading scientists, all showing how our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club, a place for biblical creationists to share and learn. This fast-growing website offers over a thousand articles written by authors from many different backgrounds, already encompassing six different languages. Combating the unproven theories of evolution, our 24-7 TV network reaches millions of people with biblical truth. Genesis Science Network broadcasts globally over the internet, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, mobile devices, and more. It's a new Christian alternative to the evolutionary programming so prevalent on TV today. Be sure to sign up for our email updates and like us on Facebook for weekly inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. Talk to your pastor about sponsoring one of our live events in your church or community.